All right. Welcome to the OG show with the OG, the OG, TG, some say too good today with Pepinardo. Thanks for coming on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Always good to hang out with you. Right on, right on. All right. So um, um, I heard that you're an artist. Um, when did you start making art? Yeah, man. Yeah. So I've been an artist. Uh pretty much for as long as I can remember. Um, born in Detroit, and I think I just had a natural act, you know, knack for it. My parents were getting me into art classes pretty early on. I think I, like my earliest uh, drawing that I can remember was this like refrigerator that was a freaking monster and, um, you know, just been making art ever since. Right, I like that. You should you should bring back the uh, the monster refrigerator for sure. <laughs> like that is total. That I see big potential in the monster monster refrigerator. <laughs> it, it, it opens and uh, you could make so many variations. Like it opens and it has different things in it. You could make uh, you know all green food or um, I don't. Dude, yeah, my mom still has it somewhere. Oh well, framed, framed up and everything. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Dude, you got to release that right now. Now that it's she's out. Got, she's got the Genesis Mint. She's got the Genesis Mint from Pepinardo. So Pep, she's probably got the most valuable Pepinardo ever then. She should just hold <laughs> her retirement. Do it. I can auction it for you if you need to. Oh, there you go, dude. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Okay. So tell us about, um, you know, your pre-green pill uh, art life like what did you do did you do like contract work did you uh do oil paintings or like what did you do before you were doing pepes yeah so i i kind of took like the more i'd like to say the institutionalized traditional art route you know i went to high school in arizona and then uh got accepted to a, an art school in chicago you know did a full four years there um, all while I was at that institution, uh, I was like actively seeking, um, like mentorships, like especially through my professors who are very well-known artists, not only in Chicago, but kind of like internationally known, like our, our institution was very, um, very good at bringing in instructors that were real artists, you know, with pretty extensive CVs and all that. So I think that's kind of like the, the Renaissance method is, you know, to get a mentorship, um, learn from artists that are creating all around you, but not just, just not just how to create the art, but like how to operate the business as well, how to manage the studio. Um, so kind of like mid sophomore year college i was working for about two artists i was actually working for one in new york as well i was like traveling back and forth uh which was kind of like unheard of just being a college student it was like hard to manage the traveling but the artist in new york was like paying for my flights and stuff which was pretty insane just because i was able to paint technically in a way that he required so, so tell yeah, tell us about that. So he would so you he would fly you to New York 
And he would say, yes. I need you to do some like grunt work painting with this like real technical painting. And he already had the concept or the, or he just gave you a picture to paint or how did that work? Yeah, pretty much. So I was like, I'd say I, I worked for two. I was like, I worked for probably like a dozen artists during my, um, you know, younger years. But I'd say two of them, I primarily was like their main studio assistant. So they would like present to me their idea or like a you know a reference image that i had to like recreate as in their style um or just like you know exactly from a photograph so i i was literally making entire art pieces for these like incredibly well-known artists and you know watching them turn around and sell it for sixty thousand hundred thousand dollars like at some exhibition or whatever um and, and uh, you know, they did it say yeah. Pepinardo was the assistant on there, or didn't say anything about you? No, usually, usually not. And that's kind of like the funny thing about you know the traditional art world, and and probably it goes for a lot of like creative industries where the grunt workers sort of get like shat on a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's it was like those moments that were very formative for me uh, in just learning how to operate and even just learning about if I were to utilize assistance or um, students, I guess we could say. It was like everything that I knew I wouldn't do to them, you know. So uh, so do you have any um, assistants in the Pepin Auto Studio right now that you make do the grunt work? Uh, I did for, uh, I had, I like hired a temporary assistant last year just because not only do I produce as Pepinardo, but I also produce, um, I guess as my, my real name. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was, there's been moments where, you know, the Pepinardo work requires a pretty significant demand and then my traditional art world artwork requires a specific demand and sometimes those worlds collide and I have to like bring on extra hands. So, um, you know, but I try and make it like a learning environment. You know, I, I want to be able to use those moments to, to teach essentially. Um, okay. So how, like, can you tell us about your process when you're painting? Like, how do you approach it? Do you, is it the same every time? Has it changed over time or does it depend on the piece or do you always kind of do it the same way? Or do you have like multiple pieces that you're working on at the same time? Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So probably kind of in like my younger twenties through, through late twenties, I, I probably went through like a pretty significant change of style multiple times which really actually isn't very attractive in in the traditional art world that i'm aware of you know collectors like to follow sort of coherent growth of an artist or like a consistent style or whatnot um and i was like usually shifting quite a bit quite frequently and not not for any particular reason, just because my interests were constantly changing or I wanted to experiment in different ways. Uh, but I've, I've pretty much narrowed it down um, with what I'm doing right now as Pepinardo. It's, 
it's often sort of like creating a collaged image or reference image digitally. So I like actually create the entire painting digitally and then I'll reproduce it in oil paint. Um, so, you know, obviously I'm referencing a bunch of art historical paintings. I'm also developing my, you know, my own compositions and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's growing, you know, just, just in the last year, it's crazy. I made a lot of work and uh, it's pretty amazing seeing like the first Pepinardo compared to the last one I did last year. And the one I'm working on right now is okay, probably so my... The, what was the first one? So the first one was the the fake Pepelisa. Okay, yeah, I know that one now, Pepelisa. And, and that one I, I made uh, without any knowledge of fake rares or uh, kind of like the extensive nature of crypto Twitter. I was, I was actually in nursing school and uh, I was just like, noticing a sort of like you know resurgence of pepes on on the internet and people just getting excited about the rare pepes and i kind of made it as a joke you know i was in nursing school uh i hadn't made any art for like 18 months just because i was in you know extensive study mode and i like just wanted to make something just just for the heck of it so that i like produced that painting and made the pepinardo twitter account and one thing led to another and I was in the fake rare chat, you know, showing people my work in progress pictures and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So let's go back to so how did you discover Bitcoin and crypto and NFTs and all that? Uh, yeah. So kind of going back, I was working for an artist um, temporarily in Chicago and he needed to get a mural done down in Indiana at some music studio. I can't remember. It was like some pretty significant music recording studio in Indiana. Uh, and so he had to do a mural there. We were painting all day long and then ended up going to a bar later that night. And the dude I was sitting next to at the bar is drunk off his ass, but he's telling me about how he's securing his financial future with Bitcoin. That was that was in like 2016 or 2017. Uh-huh. Um so did you secure know. did you secure your financial future? I I ended up buying this is embarrassing. On on the trip back from Indiana, I ended up downloading like Coinbase and then buying my first Litecoin. I don't know why I went for Litecoin, but um it's so it's the silver to Bitcoin's gold. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm still interested in in it, but you know, just I think that was sort of the the turning point where it sort of like led me into reading more about this stuff and then kind of like coming to realize the the pureness and significance of Bitcoin itself. So, I think I collected like I don't know. You know, I was a starving starving artist as you could say. So, I I, I was like at my third Litecoin when it was at like $80 or something. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start buying sats. Cool. I uh, also want to um, give a shout out to everyone in the audience. Uh, lady librarian in the house, Jake bit 
Roka, thanks so much. Uh, if you guys stick around, I will maybe give some time for open mic at the end for open questions. So just just hang on. Yeah, thanks everyone for showing up. Right on. Okay, so on your uh, Twitter, you also have uh, the concept posted meme factor. Uh, you write you write a cohesive idea, image, or style that contributes to result or outcome. A unit or image that, when paired with another, produces a given expression. Can you tell us um, about your concept, meme factor? Yeah. Uh, so I think I kind of like to look at this whole crypto art thing in reference to what I'm aware of in my like practice of traditional art. And I'm like constantly blown away by the like pretty vast differences between the two. Um, you know, I think the traditional art world is like very elegantly stubborn in its own way. I, I don't think it's going to like grow quite as much or quite as fast as what what's happening in crypto art. I think it deals in different principles, whereas crypto art, I feel like is very much about memes uh, and virality. You know, we're dealing in things of like information and, and images and, and jokes almost. Um, so I'm interested in this idea of the meme factors, this, this term I've, I'm claiming I've coined. It's basically what happens as like an input output factor when you take two images or two ideas and sort of smash them together and what sort of like viral meme comes out of that. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty much what we're all doing on crypto Twitter, crypto art. Um, that's pretty interesting. Um, a guy named crafty dog said, uh, the greater the dichotomy, the greater the transformation, which is, uh, similar to your pair, you know, your two images smashed together. Um, if you yes. great dichotomy, that's a similar kind of thing going on. I, yeah, I love that. And that's kind of like the whole origin of like, for example, the fake Pepalisa. Like I literally was like starving to create something. And so I was like, I'm just going to take the most famous painting in existence and smash it with a, you know, Pepe the frog and sort of see what comes of it. And so I think, you know, in crypto art, we are collectively as, as creatives doing so much of that, you know, we're, we're referencing a whole art world of the past, the whole history of the past, but we're bringing like such a high speed uh, attitude towards it. Um, yeah, it's definitely, so yeah. definitely fast hyperspeed. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So, and what do you mean when you say uh, Mimetica now? Um, that's kind of like, I don't know, I, I'm interested in, you know, in the same way memes exist as, as images and ideas, I'm interested in them existing as like viral phrases and language. Um, like for example, you, I mean, I'm sure you can relate, you're, you're a writer, you write your own medium articles and, you know, for Bitcoin magazine and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested in these phrases like seizing the memes of production or just like even the origin of the word meme might not necessarily reference what we are all do dealing with, with like imagery and art. Um, so I'm interested in these sort of like 
phrases that capture the sort of zeitgeist of the art that we are producing. Yeah. Uh, so when I say memetica now, I'm not really referring to anything like hyper-specific. I'm just sort of like referring to what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, no, memes don't have to be images. There can definitely be a slogan or a word or a fashion thing that people do. It doesn't have to be an image like we think that's like from the meme generator.com or something like that. So, yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Uh, language is really important part of it. And it was also always important part of rare Pepe, you know, like, um, dank, you know, there's not really an image for dank. It's a concept. Exactly. Yes. Uh, you have, or just the whole thing, like, um, the scientists and there's a lot of language involved in, in all of this too. That's really important. Okay. And so we went, we said your first one was, uh, fake Pepe Lisa. What's your newest one? Uh, so my, my most recent one was the fake McAfee, the the portrait of John McAfee as a fake rare. Um, and then now, currently, I'm working on my first one of one for super rare. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you about that. So, how did you? So, did you? How did you discover? You know, counterparty and you know the fake the fake rare community and now you're branching out and experimenting on Ethereum too. So how did that tell us about right. that? And if you are like super dogmatic for one blockchain or you think it's okay to use Ethereum too. And what's, what do you think about that as an artist? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I, I kind of like have to, I've described it in the past as like Ethereum's the playground to, to pay bills and Bitcoin is, is the future, you know, <laughs> that's something that I I'm interested in. All right. It, you heard in, it first. Ethereum is the playground to pay bills and Bitcoin is the future. Pepinardo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, all of last year I was like hardcore counterparty and I kind of like came into it totally by accident. Like I said, you know, someone just linked me to the faker chat just by happenstance. And I was in there, creating pepes and you know i had known about rare pepes in the past but this was like the first time where i was like oh my gosh i can be a part of this dialogue you know so that was always always the interest for me is like okay i missed the boat with the rare pepes um and now there's this opportunity to sort of like extend that narrative um so yeah all of last year i was like bitcoin purist I still kind of am, you know, I, I, I just, I'm interested in, like you said, expanding the audience outreach, sort of like growing the name, growing the virality of the meme, you know, Pepinardo really is kind of a meme. Um, okay, so. cool. All right. Well, I'm just, I'm looking at some of your art and for listeners, uh, I will post a link to it. I think probably the easiest is just at Pepe. What the fuck? So Pepe.wtf. Uh, yeah just look for pepinardo it's a good overview and uh so most of your work references you know old classics or like uh the cafe or something like that but what is what's going on with wake me up wake wake me you pepe yeah that's uh so that that's called uh wake me up pepe um it's just spelled a little weird to fit the 
the 12 so character said, limit. Uh, so they use the peak <laughs> epic for the up two. Is that because yeah. of the um, character limitation in Counterparty? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, the, the 12 characters. And it's so funny because it says it fits 14 characters, but it really only allows 12. Welcome to Counterparty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that one was a little bit of like kind of going off off the path for a second you know but it's still a reference to a pretty famous internet meme uh from like 2013 i think that was when like memes were circulating on like tumblr um and it was just like a guy that posted a a skeleton chair from an auction site like a classical furniture auction site and he just like added a little bit of a blur motion effect it was the first meme that had not only the blur motion effect, but also the like the red laser eyes. And so I always say that that was the image that subconsciously influenced Bitcoin's laser eye movement. Yeah, it, it, to- it probably did. Yeah. And, uh, and I found that that is really true. A lot of times we make things and um, we think, oh, that's original or, oh, no, I was you know referencing or influenced by this. But we saw this like really old one but we kind of forgot it it's just kind of in our subconscious you know and uh, i think that that happens a lot and i think that's a big part of memes too Um, yeah exactly so so there's like this sort of like you know art historical sense just in that you know it's like what are the origin of these memes like even the that famous image of pepe that's saying re yeah you know the r-e-e-e yeah, that, that has a motion blur to it. And so the motion blur then goes back again to this wake me up Pepe. Or I'm sorry. It's just called wake me up. It's like a, wake a rocking up. chair. Yeah. Okay. Tell us, I, I'm going to do one more. Um, tell, tell us what's going on with fake science. Cause that's also one that's not, I mean, you, I can clearly, I can clearly see Satoshi in there, but yeah. not referencing like Mona Lisa or some other classic. So Tell us about what's going on with fake science and why is it fake? Yeah, so, well, this one actually does reference, um, you know, an art historical painting, but I guess the artist, I guess, isn't as mainstream as as we'd all like to think, Uh, but he was pretty prolific uh, just with his dealing of painting light and stuff like that. But this painting... You know, I I just wanted to create the sort of like, I think in crypto art, in in what we're doing, we're like literally creating art and and music and writings of the ether. You know, we're like putting this this information in this sort of like ethereal state. So we're creating, we're essentially all alchemists. You know, we're creating something out of nothing. so I, I'm, I'm kind of like interested in that alchemical theme in crypto art and how it relates to Satoshi and Bitcoin. So when I created the fake science painting, you know, I kind of wanted to include all that, but also sort of pay homage to the fake scientists as well as the rare Pepe scientists. So you'll see like the names of every scientist that was ever on the project in the books. Oh, wow. that painting. See, I learned something new. I didn't look at the detail like that. 
Yeah. And then I actually sent one fake science to all the scientists. So I, I sent one to you and all of your fellow. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to look at the detail more of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your, your name is in there. I know. I know. Wow. Now I know. I didn't even realize it. I noticed that. <laughs> um, okay, great. Uh, all right. Just like on some, a few different topics. And I also have collected some great questions from people um, on Twitter. Uh, most of them, you know, from the community. But uh, yeah. before we get in, before we get into those, um, you know, you do have uh, some prints on Bitcoin Magazine Shop, and uh, so what's your opinion of prints in general? Uh, why are you doing them, and uh, why isn't there? Why aren't there NFTs with the prints that are sold at the Bitcoin Magazine Shop? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think as far as like the specific print that I'm selling through Bitcoin Magazine, it's it's of the fake Genesis which I think is like probably the greatest painting I've made so far, just because I really think it captures a sense of, of what we're doing um, as, as a community. It's like this sort of like uprising against very old, old school ways of, of transacting. Um, and it's, you know, like a reference to Satoshi again, um, but I wanted, I wanted the image to be as accessible as possible. Um, so that's why I chose to do the physical prints through Bitcoin magazine, which I think is, is a very elegant way to sort of tie it all in together. Well, I think, I think it's cool. I mean, I, th I think it even gets to a different audience because I think a lot of Bitcoin people also are not into um, art necessarily yeah so it's kind of a different it's also a little bit of a different audience even though it's still bitcoin yeah and I'll, i'm finding a lot of bitcoin people are not really into the pepe thing either well there's like a certain group of bitcoiners that are not enough yeah it, i think the new the last wave didn't really catch catch it you know it was more like when you were talking about 2016 2017 people know about it but, yeah, but the like newer wave, they don't really didn't. It wasn't really a thing. There was so much other stuff going on, so they might not have caught that. All right, uh, some other uh, heavy questions for you. Uh, what's the most beautiful um, OG rare Pepe? Oh dang, that's a tough one. The most beautiful. <laughs> yeah, or what's your what or what's your favorite? <laughs> yeah, I was just. I thought that was a funny way to put it. That's actually from our um, audience. Oh, I love it. The most yeah, I, the most beautiful, actually. No, just the most I, beautiful. I I remember doing a a podcast like early last year where I made a joke about how beautiful hair Pepe was. Okay. Um, just. <laughs> yeah, smooth hair Pepe. I mean, hair Pepe is pretty is pretty beautiful, definitely. Very very elegant looking yeah. gentleman or frog. Yeah. So I have, story, I have to tell the story about Hair Pepe because there's also hair yes, Pepe, please. There's also bad Hair Pepe day. There's also a car, <laughs> and um, but right. That, but that comes from when um, Hair Pepe trading was so intense on the decks that it clogged uh, the Bitcoin blockchain mempool, allegedly, and that's why it's called bad bad Hair Day because it's like a hair in the machine of the system that causes the system to. <laughs> <laughs> break so if you look at the cards so if you have those two cards you, so if you have hair pepe you definitely need bad hair day too because they kind of go together and they tell a story about about hair pepe 
And I think that's really cool that there's folklore around um, a lot of this art. You know, it has yeah. just like, like nothing again. I'm not going to diss generative art per se, but it does its cool thing. And like, I like a lot of it, but some of it I don't do, but it doesn't, I'm missing the folklore around it sometimes. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. I, I can't find a kind of, it's hard for me to find this extra folklore around some of it. I think some of it might, but I haven't, I have yet to discover um, some that does so far. So I think that sometimes yeah. that's missing. That's, that's super interesting. Cause I noticed, and it was probably just the way that you would mint a, a a token on counterparty back then but i i've noticed that there's like no descriptions on any of the rare pepes correct uh well <clears throat> that's not true you mean like where you would put the uh, json information kind of description yeah like talking about the card or why the card exists or yeah, whatnot because of the new way people are are making the cards and so you know we had to man we had to do a lot more work to actually we actually at the very like series one and two and maybe more, we even created our own JSONs and hosted them. So you can even see on um, some of the ones I made, uh, it links to an old website of mine, but like it's not using that JSON anymore. Xchain like updated it for me automatically. Oh, okay. It's hard to explain, but like yeah, you can see some of the weird descriptions. You're like, what is this website? And you're like, oh, that's where the JSON, the old JSON is. Um, Interesting. But, uh, yeah. So that's, it's probably, yeah, it's just, that's probably wise. Cause like it's e the way that like so much has been developed to make it easy for people to mint now, like you have the like easy asset and all that stuff. And so that makes it, it's a different experience for, um, for minting now. So that's, that's definitely why. Okay. So hair Pepe is the most beautiful Pepe. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, different, different topic. Um, but we also had it from the uh, studio audience. Um, what's your opinion of AI art and uh, deep learning and how do you think it's going to affect uh, artists and art? Dude, I love this question. I was actually hoping you would ask me about AI um, just because I've been sort of like thinking about it for the last two weeks and, and I've been uh, testing it out quite extensively myself um, for the last couple of weeks. But I, I think AI is a fascinating tool, uh, especially for artists and especially for artists dealing in crypto art. Um, you know, I, I like to compare it to when photography became popularized, kind of like in 1839, you know, at the same time there was impressionism. And I know if Robness is in the group, he would back me up on this because he was talking about this a couple of weeks ago as well. But, you know, photography and impressionism kind of butted heads when, when it was all happening, you know, the impressionists were like, well, the dramatic ones were like almost in an uproar up in an uproar that photography was becoming popular, you know, because they were just the photographer would take a picture of a, scene of the ocean and the impressionist would paint it in, an, in a very expressive way. And they were basically making an image of the same subject matter. Um, you know, and as time went on, painters sort of realized the importance of photography and the accessibility it allowed 
for them to use in their own art. So this could include like taking photos of their models or their, um, you know, their landscapes that they eventually wanted to paint, you know, it, they could sort of stay in their studio for longer amounts of time because they didn't have to travel to paint the subject. So I think AI, especially for painters can be utilized as, as this incredible tool. Um, and I've started to even sort of like utilize AI generations and then I'll collage certain elements from them into some of my paintings. Uh, but no, I can see why it's like a very polarizing topic right now. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I'm, that's interesting that that happened in the past. And I think, yeah, we're seeing a repeat of that now, definitely. Um, tell us about uh, Wojak Way. You've also made a Wojak, right? Yes, I've made a couple and I'm on the team uh, as part of like one of the, I guess, Wojak scientists. Um, but I, I'm fascinated by this project as well just because it's sort of like the the opposing or not opposing it's like the complementary side of pepe that sort of like needs to occur as a directory on on bitcoin and it was started by abstract mirror who i think has done an absolutely fascinating job with with the curation and the project itself um you know it's been a little bit of a slower run compared to like the the fake rares and the rare pepes but i think i think that's better you know it kind of gives more time for these cards to sort of get appreciated um and it doesn't flood the market with like all these different wojack you know artworks um i really think in like a long-term perspective like that project will be very heavily praised within the context of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, I like Wojak way. I've made two Wojaks and I'll try to make yeah. it for them. So yeah, yours are so good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. They're, they're, it's a really good project. Uh, everyone check out the Wojakway.com. All right. So, okay, let's go to some um, questions that I got from Twitter. Um, what was the most lucrative commission or auction of your of your work as either Pepinardo or previous pieces before you got green pilled from Sean Leary? Oh, before I got green pilled. Uh, or, I think no, he means either or. So if there was one before you got green pilled that was higher, or you could tell us both if you want. Yeah. Um, you want to disclose? Probably. Yeah, I won't disclose exact amounts, but. I remember before I was green pill that probably the largest project I made was like this commission. It was always commissions as being like probably my most lucrative works in my early and late twenties in the traditional art world. And, um, you know, it was a couple thousand dollars and that was a huge deal for me because, uh, you know, it was, a struggling artist at the time, I, but I'd definitely say that the crypto art and Pepinardo works have been the most generous. And I'd say the most successful one was definitely the fake Genesis uh, sold at auction for a very generous amount. 
Right on. Okay, cool. Um, out of all your very fine works, which is your favorite and why? Nin. Um, again, going to have to say Fake Genesis and probably the one I'm working on right now. All you right. Know, I, I, give, I always... You want to give yeah. us any spoilers? Name, um, name of it or yeah. something? Yeah. So it references one of Leonardo da Vinci's uh, most famous but lesser known paintings. It's called The Virgin of the Rocks. And so I'm I'm interested in this one just because he actually did two iterations of it, like two exact copies of the painting, uh, just because the collector, a a second collector liked it so much that, you know, he basically was like, you got to paint this again, you know. Right, right on. Um, okay. So yeah, that, Rewind. that's what I'm working on. Rewind. All right. Uh, if Pepinardo, in all his age and wisdom, could go back in time to ask the young Pepinardo one thing to take back to the present and tell him one thing to hold strong into the past, what would these two things be? Carcinated. <laughs> of course it's carcinated. <laughs> um, gosh. So, so one thing... One thing future Pepinardo would tell the past Pepinardo? Yes. Okay, I'd say don't compare yourself because I feel like I went through like a very, at least in my experience of the traditional art world, this like sort of like institutionalized way of being an artist and like Instagram and all the stuff that's occurring online everyone's sort of like just trying to one-up each other. Um, And it creates a very toxic environment for creating. And here with like crypto Twitter, I feel like everyone's just sort of like doing their own thing, you know? Um, So I'd say I would tell my younger self to just not compare myself to what's going on and just sort of produce. Okay, cool. What about the reverse? The reverse... Oh, you're on the spot. Probably, probably just to like stack more sats. <laughs> okay, stack more sats. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, uh, we have another one. Uh, when will Pepinardo paint crying Jordan face, Skrilla? Oh gosh, I, I immediately responded to that Twitter post with a a digital variation of a. Crying Jordan Pepe. Um, but I guess eventually I'll have to paint one. Right on, right on. There was a di- there was like a discussion there saying like Michael Jordan is or that Jordan face will be, be more remembered than the actual player himself in the long run, just with like our younger generations it, and stuff like that. I think it, it might be because, you know, there's only a certain segment of people that are now getting old, um, right? Self that you know know Michael Jordan as a player, and they might not even know who that is. They just know it as the crying guy. That I mean, that's so interesting too, because that might be a strong case for for memes and and mimetic art. You know, it'll outlast these sort of legacies that we are aware of. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, uh, audi- uh, stu- um, audience um, in the spaces, if you have any questions, now is the time to request 
um, to come on the stage. Uh, you don't have to, but if you have, a, if you have something to say, uh, now is the time to request speaking ability. And uh, yeah, Pepinardo, I so said, do you have any uh, Wojaks in the works? Um, I have one, a third one that I, I would like to complete. But yeah, this year is going to be crazy. I've, I've got like six paintings on the table right now, uh, so I'll be I'll be pretty pretty busy for the next couple of months. Going to be doing like a huge painting for uh, BTC twenty three in Miami. So right on. All right, we've got Sawala on the stage. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. Hey, what's up? It's Sawala. Uh, great to be here. Hey, really cool to hear you guys chatting. How you doing, man? Um. Doing pretty good, you know, keeping it warm when I can in the Northeast. <laughs> um, anyways, I, I wanted to sort of bring up the, a topic of with like memeing in particular, at least I haven't seen any of your works besides the ones, the Pepe related works, right? Yeah. So how much of making the art now, I wonder, is about the thrill of like memeing, like the thrill of signaling how clever you are and how what cool cobwebs you can dust off for people or you know what I mean? Like what yeah. part of cultures you can trigger. Like like that that's definitely a part of like the art that I am drawn to now and I'm drawn to art now more than I was previously at any other point in my life. So I want to know if you could chat about that. I think that's a great question. I think, you know, it's interesting because I and many will argue this as well, but I, I really think we are in the sort of like digital renaissance. And so the most mimetic images being created are the ones that have symbolisms and myths sort of like planted in them. You know, that really like the, the ancient Greeks, like the myths of the ancient Greeks, aside from like their religions and stuff, it was all just sort of like mimetic symbols. Um, and that's what sort of like, carried their their story so far into the historical context of, of art and music and philosophy. So I think when I make my work, you know, I, I really do try and focus on these sort of like mimetic ideas, memeing, memeing the art, you know, adding the symbolisms, stuff like that. I don't know if that answers your question but it does uh, it does i mean for me like i'm grateful i would have never seen your paintings or how clever you are as an artist if it wasn't for something like pepe existing and that for me justifies its existence right there like yeah it's like it, it, it it's like when you go to a fourth of july parade and everybody has an american flag it's like here you don't know what to hold like hold this wave it around and if you're like, I need to make some art or be creative, all you have to do is learn a little about the conversation. And then it's like, here, use Pepe to make some art. Absolutely. And and like I've said, and I'm not sure if anyone has listened to me on like previous podcasts, but, you know, there's a very, very uh, obvious reason why we are using Pepe the Frog as a symbol in all this art and all these memes that we're creating. And it's just, it goes along with like the metaphysics of what the frog represents in history. And, you know, that's a whole conversation onto itself, but 
you know, it, it wouldn't be any other way. It makes total sense to me that we're all memeing the frog. Right on. That does make sense. Yeah. If it's good, it comes from the Greek. Uh, if you, <laughs> if you uh, pay attention, um, a lot of the uh, flyers for the OG show reference uh, Greek mythology. So look for the look for the little references next time. Uh, Nind, oh, what's up? Yo, what's How up? How you doing, Nind? I, I doing, I doing, Pepinata. I'm good, man. Yeah. Good, good. I just wanted to ask, um, when you're painting, do you listen to any music or podcasts or what do you normally have on when you're painting? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty, uh, I like get really involved. I, f- I feel like I'm only able to like truly appreciate podcasts when I'm painting. And obviously I'm playing music too, but it's most of the time podcasts. Um, and it's really just every anything that people sort of like send my way. I think like during my first year as Pepinardo, I was really spending a lot of time researching uh, symbolism and metaphysics of, of the frog and just sort of like memetics. Um, so I was constantly listening to podcasts about symbolism and and all these things, symbols and art and art history and everything like that. Um, but yeah, lately I've been listening. Like today I tweeted that I was going to be listening to Avicii all day, but I, I also love classical music. I was listening to um, Bach yesterday. and So I, I guess I have a pretty wide range, pretty open-minded. I like I like to listen to whatever people sort of suggest or throw at me, so... Cool. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thanks, well, man. Very good lady. Thanks for coming on. If you're there, librarian lady, um, unmute yourself and ask your question. I'm here. Thank Thanks. For, yeah. Thank you for this show. Hi, Pepinardo. It is Hi. our first time. And I've been impressed by your knowledge about art history and especially your conceptual ideas about the putting frog to there. Uh, I have a question. You were talking about the 19th century and about the AI and Theo asked you. Um, how do you, yeah. well, when you are, as I understand, you went to also art school, but also maybe because of the pressure, somehow you went to also nursing cool yes <laughs> because you know i know how, how it feels uh so yes. but you never you never uh you never give up as i understand to creating right correct so, yeah yeah and um well what do you have from you in your works because i've seen heavily symbolism and heavily all the um, that copying the idea of the uh, historical uh, paintings, but you are putting also something from yourself, as I see the, from your last work, that the Pepe with the, uh, the, the scientist Pepe, I saw there, you, there's writing there, like fake scientists, you know? Yes. There's a list there. So I'm wondering that this kind of little um, um, ideas and the also somehow secretly words uh heavily 
uh, easily seen in your works, you know? So could you explain that those words, those um, those names to us? What, what do you have from you on your works? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for the question and, um, and thank you for listening. Uh, but yeah, I, I think kind of going back to that sort of like term I, I say I like to coin is the meme factor. You know, when I take these sort of art historical images, you know, I'm really just enhancing the sort of meme factor by adding these extra bits of symbolism and changing certain compositional things. Um, but for that fake science painting, I was adding all the names of all of the, the essential, essentially the curators of all the fake, the fake rare Pepe's and the rare Pepe project. Um, just because I'm interested in sort of enhancing the history and sort of kind of kind of like what Theo is saying is sort of like giving a description to to what's occurring on the blockchain here. So by creating this painting, I'm sort of like putting all the names into this blockchain um, history here. It's you know highlighting highlighting their contributions, you could say. Okay, thank you. Have you ever considered that creating something with the fake history or the fake historical figures with the Red Pepe? Uh, like like presidential figures and whatnot? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm interested in, in all of that. I I think right now I'm I'm interested in sort of like continuing to create sort of like conceptual pieces, not only about, about Bitcoin and, and sort of Bitcoin significance. Um, but kind of like what we were talking about with AI is sort of like, how can I use AI uh, to generate sort of images as tools for me to reference as, as uh, reference images. Um, I wrote a note down before we got on this podcast that I, think is interesting but uh like for example when photography came around photography attempted to frame reality whereas ai attempts to frame imagination so i think we can use ai we can use our imaginations in collaboration with ai to sort of like produce this whole new wave of art and that's kind of what I'm interested in exploring. Amazing. Thank you so much. You know, you were talking about the 19th century and the photography. When the photography machine um, came to the um, well industry, that the, um, the old romantics, um, for example, like Turner, William Turner, he was romantic, but then he actually lit the uh, new um, concept with with his style. In his early life, in his art, it was mainly about copying the same thing, whatever he he whatever he see, you know. Uh, so I guess you can generate easily with the AI, but it would be great to see maybe rare peppers. Uh, created by AI, but with with your signature, you know, 
I, I'm gonna follow your works and um, and I showed before one of the, your Pepe Lisa in one of the um, conferences I I've been uh, giving, and I, I guess you are somehow putting all these historical uh, figures to there uh, within the idea of the creating meme culture. And the, that's why I love the people. You are putting there an intellectual um, dip and you are kind of educating to the, to the community, which is important for me at least. Awesome. So thank you and nice to meet you. Have a oh, absolutely. Day. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. All right, right on. Um, Real Blinky, come on to the mic. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, Pepe Nardo, famous person over here. Hey, Real uh, Blinky. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, so, uh, quick question. So, you had works on XCP, obviously, and Ethereum. Any plans to go on uh, a chain like Tezos? Because your works are expensive. I mean, I'm trying to collect some. I don't got that kind of dough, man. But, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, I do collect uh, fake rares. I, I just started collecting since uh, pork chop like green pilled me back over Thanksgiving. But anyways, oh, like, awesome. like, yeah, uh, anyways, um, so like having more accessible editions, larger number, but making them uniquely Tezos, something like something you wouldn't do on Counterparty or E. So like putting like a glitch on there, making them animated, something like let's just say you know to give like a analogy yeah. like analogy like say Drexia versus like Japanese Telecom, which Drexia <laughs> and Japanese Telecom are the same group, but they're you know slight difference in the two styles. Just, yeah, you are speaking to a master, sir. <laughs> no, no, it's this is great. Um, but I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm interested in uh, exploring other chains. I, you know, I, I joke around saying that I'm going to go onto the other chains just as a Trojan horse to bring everyone back to to counterparty Bitcoin. Um, but you know, I I'm going to be doing a a one of one a one of one on ETH. But you know, I'm always open to ideas of working on Tezos. I think a lot of the work that's being made on Tezos is freaking amazing. Um, especially a lot of like the AI work being produced. It's hard though, when, when I hand paint everything and it takes so much time, uh, to, to, I guess, not be thoughtful about where I put it. And I'm not saying by putting it on Tezos, it's not thoughtful. I'm just saying I need to figure out a way that it works best on other chains. And for example, like bringing up Robness again, just because I think a lot of what he explores is is so brilliant in terms of what's happening on crypto art. But like, for example, he just did a project on Tezos where he was literally like crumpling up pieces of trash and then generating different iterations of, of literally how the trash was compositionally arranged. And, and I'm interested in that, you know, I think there's ways where I can generate my images where they're still painterly, um, but it can exist as a larger edition or something like that. So 
I'm always interested in in trying new things. So who... I love when you share the uh, palettes. Oh, that's always cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, you know that also started as kind of a joke. Like, oh, let's just take a picture of the palette and show everybody. Kind of like this is like the abstract, you know, excrement of of the of the final piece. You know, it's like pixels. Yeah, it's like I pixel sorted it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the two polar opposites. So it's funny because like those palettes also become sort of abstractions. Um, and if you'll notice on like my Manifold page or whatever, when Manifold was cutting off royalties, I minted a bunch of contracts just with like general ideas. And one of them was called the palettes. Uh, so I have this idea of maybe just making like abstracted uh, palettes or something like that so who knows there's those would be awesome it's definitely a lot great. of plans oh thank you yeah that, that would yeah. be fun i mean there's like the concept of tepe has gotten so abstract i mean studio nouveau is down there uh i collected a piece from them and that just looking at that card is like what is that that's is that pepe like pepe becomes such a vague nebulous concept and it's great and there's isn't there like a palette with like pepe green that just came out oh to pepe or some someone basket also has i don't know yeah i see a lot of no pepe totally no i pepe. some of the best some of my other favorite pepes going back to theo's question are like some of those like highly abstracted minimalist pepes um but yeah no i i you know i'm open to it just got to figure out the what the right the right way of uh, executing. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for answering that question. Yeah, thanks for coming up. All right, I want to thank everybody that just came on the stage and asked some questions. That was great. I want to thank Pepinardo for coming on today. Pepinardo, um, if we want to find you, where can we find you? Dude, I can only be found at the finest VIP booths. Uh, and buffets and the only way to get there is by taking an uber black and you got to show up in your shiniest shoes and you got to be ready to party <laughs> right no oh, you can just better roll just just message me on twitter or telegram and uh i try to be good about responding to messages um but yeah man this was awesome i really appreciate you having me up and uh, this has been great. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. You can listen to this on the replay directly in Twitter. You can listen to this. There will be an NFT of the whole podcast you can get on Counterparty, of course. You'll be able to listen to it in your free wallet. Or if you choose, just on the X-Chain Explore. It'll also be on Spotify. This is Theo Goodman with Theo G Show signing off. Peace. Peace.